just been looking at blessing and saying that we, we're not lucky, we're blessed. Amen. We don't live under luck. Luck is not a word that we have in the kingdom of God. Um, luck is a, a thing that's by chance and it's something that the world talk about. But, but we live in blessing and blessings on purpose. Amen. And so that, that's what we've been sharing this last few weeks. And we are blessed. And thank God that we are blessed. And we're not blessed because of us. We're blessed because of what Jesus um, done for us. The Bible says he took our curse so that we could have blessing. And so we are blessed. We're a blessed people. Um, we looked last week at, at the blessing. Well, actually, the other week we looked at, you know what, when, when you put yourself under law, you put yourself under a curse system um, because it's a system that we can't keep and therefore you had to keep all of the law to be blessed under it. But none of us could do that. That's why Jesus came to redeem us from the curse of the law, thank God, and bring us into the new covenant. So we looked at that. And then last week we looked at is, is you know, it's only a bunch of words because really when you talk about blessing all it is is a few words that is spoken over us and that's what it is and we looked last week at the blessing that was given to um, to Jacob from his father and the whole fuss that he went through to try and take that blessing and all it was over was a few words now we think in our society it was a few words but in that society it was a blessing on your life that it would, would, would empower you and that's what a blessing would do so it's not just a bunch of words um, when God spoke over us and anything that he says over us he has the power to back it up and he has the power to bring it to pass in our lives so it's not just words and we know that it's not just words amen it's like the gospel the gospel you know is preached in words but to us it's the power of God amen and then for us to to be saved all we did was say a prayer that was it. All we did was make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. It was just a few words, but putting faith in that actually changed our lives. Amen. Never to be the same again. Amen. Now, I want to share something tonight, and I just want to introduce it this way just for a moment. But, um, you know, I'm going to start by just sharing this here. Grace is like curry. Uh, I, I, I was in bed the other night thinking about this. But grace is like curry, okay? And I'm going to, I need to share this here just because of what I'm going to talk on tonight. But some Sometimes when you talk about the grace of God, sometimes it sounds like all you do is talk about grace. And some people will say out there, is that all you talk about is the grace of God? But grace is like curry. We live in the new covenant. And everything in the new covenant is by grace. So uh, grace should be in everything that we're doing. Has anyone ever had rice just on its own? I mean, just, just a bowl of white rice and just, just add it on its own. I tell you, it's not nice. You know, and no flavoring, and it's just not nice at all. And it does be dry in your mouth. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't set down a bowl of rice to someone and say, eat that. But, you know, but I tell you, it changes whenever you stick curry on it. And, and if you were, uh, when, I'm not as bad now as what it was when I was younger, but when I was younger, the bigger the dish of curry, the better. And I would just tip the whole thing over the rice and over the chips, and it would be swimming in it. Does any of you like your curry that way, where it's swimming in it? You know, and when you mix it up, do you know what? The curry is on every grain of rice, and the curry's all over the chips and anything else that you're eating. It's smothered in it. You can near take a straw out whenever you're finished and suck up the curry at the end. But that's the way grace is and you can teach on any subject but grace should be in every subject that you're teaching it should code it because that's what we live in and you know I'm I'm saying that there because I'm going a direction with us here in a second but here's just a couple of scriptures as we get into this Um, Look, I'm not going to spend time on these but I'm just showing a, a principle here it says here let your speech always be with what? it should always be there should always be you know you you 
bowl, so to speak, of rice, and just for instance, to say it was doctrine, you could take a bowl of sin. Do you know what I mean? If we we're going to talk on sin, but you know what? We could, we could still lace that with the grace of God and bring it round to, yes, sin, but thank God Jesus paid the price for it, and you bring it back into the grace of God again. You can talk about family, and you bring it to the grace of God, because you need God's help in your family. Grace is God's help. It's his supply into your life. You can talk on finances and bring, the God, bring it right back. You know what? Paul said, you know what? That, you know what? Um, thank God for this unspeakable, this unspeakable gift, and he was talking about the grace of giving, and you can bring it right back to every subject. It wouldn't matter whether it's end times or whether it's the present in which we live. It should have that flavor to it to where we know we're not doing life on our own, to where we know we live in the power of the resurrection and what Jesus has accomplished for us. Amen. So it says here to be always seasoned with salt or sorry, always with grace seasoned with salt. Salt is a pinch. You know what? Some people want you to, to teach real hard on things, but you know the hard things are a pinch. Amen. But it should always be laced with grace. Amen. It will always be with grace. Um, look at here. It says, For by one man's offense death reigned, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of life. What happens? You reign in life. You can only reign in life through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Amen. You see, see you don't keep grace in your, in your diet. Do you know what happens? You fall back into guilt, performance, and all of those kind of things. And the next thing, we're, we're doing it ourselves again and not, not relying on what Jesus done. And it says here, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace onto the hearers. Every time we minister, there should be a flavor of grace in it. You don't have to be actually teaching on the subject, but it should have that flavor to it. Um, look at Paul said here, this is Paul speaking of himself getting saved. He said, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor injurious. It means he, he caused harm to the body of Christ. But I obtained mercy because, I, because they did it ignorantly. And the grace of our Lord Jesus was what? Exceeding abundantly. There's an abundance of grace. And we don't need to skimp on it. God's a good God. Amen? He's a great God. He's a wonderful God. And I find the more you live in the awareness of God's goodness and His grace, your faith just goes through the roof. Because it's easy to put faith in a God that loves you. It's easy to put faith in a God that's on your side. It's easy to get up and face your day when you know your God's not against you, but you know He's for you. Amen? It's easy to put faith in a God like that, but an angry God and a God that's out to get you. And you know what? People want us to teach on strong things like God, not here, thank God, we're on the same page, but you know, people many times in the body of Christ, they want to get into let's preach on the anger and let's preach on the judgment, well I can't preach on the judgment of God without talking about Jesus taking your judgment first, amen, amen. and then if you, you don't receive Jesus, then you will take your own but why, why would you want to take your own when there's so much grace amen, amen. you know, the Bible says his anger is just for a moment Amen. It's just for a moment. But I'm telling you, his kindness lasts forever. His love lasts forever. There's no end to his love. Um, God poured out his wrath on Jesus so that we could live in his grace. Amen. The Bible, even for us as a Christian, the Bible tells us that it's like the waters of Noah. Were, um, not, you know, like in the waters of Noah, God promised that he would never judge the earth again. But over in Isaiah, I think it's chapter 54, he says, I'll not be wroth with you nor rebuke you. Why would we live under that? Can it bring people back under judgment when Jesus took our judgment and God said I would never be wroth with us and he would never rebuke us again. Amen. Praise God. Good to see you Dorothy. 
But um, you know, but the, the, hey, we're we're under. Thank God, we're under the we're under the grace of God, and we've a good God that loves us. Amen. Because um, I'm going to share something here for a moment about Abraham for a second, and um, I just need to make sure I put that in before we start. Because Abraham lived in the blessing of God. You know, if you want to show anyone in the Word of God who portrayed the blessing, especially in the Old Covenant, when you go back there, Abraham's the man to look to, and he's the man who we need to look to to see how to walk in blessing. Amen. Now, again, here's blessing. Blessing means to empower, uh, or means you are empowered for prosperity, success, and longevity. That's what that's what the blessing does in our lives. And when you have God's blessing on your life, which let me tell you, everyone who puts their faith in Jesus, you have the blessing on your life. Amen. But it's activated by faith. It's not activated by performance. And that's where I'm going here this evening. I just want to show that the blessing doesn't work in your life because of your goodness. It works because you put faith in the blessing. You put faith in what God's done for you. Amen. Abraham wasn't uh, always perfect, yet he was blessed. And and, and that's good news for all of us. Uh, Because you're not perfect and I'm not perfect. Uh, So praise God. Amen. Amen. Abraham was blessed, but it wasn't based on his performance. Amen? Now, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm trying to just put something in here quick, and then we're going to go to it, okay? Uh, see, when you talk on grace, here's what happens many times, and that's why I'm talking there a bit of grace at the start, because we're going to show that the blessing isn't based on your performance tonight, okay? I want to just show that for a moment. But, you know what, when you, when, uh, when you talk about grace, this is what he, people hear many times, okay? Uh, are you saying, live whatever way you want because you are blessed and there are no consequences? Have you ever heard that? There are people say, well, so if you talk about grace, is that what you're just saying? Just live whatever way you want because there's no consequences because Jesus took it all. Well, do you know what? The reality of it is, is Jesus did take it all, but we live in this world. And this is the difference. We live in a world where the curse is all around us. We talked about that last week. It's all around us. And you need God in this world and you need to walk with God in this world. And, you know, many times this is what we hear. And it's the same age-old question. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the answer is no. No, that's not what grace is for. Grace is not a sin-free card. Grace is God's empowerment on your life, and it'll help you in life. Um, but let, let, because when we say about Abraham, you see, Abraham didn't live under the law. Abraham lived before the law. So what kept Abraham? And this is what I want to share here for a moment. That's why I'm going this line, just as we, we get into this. Because when we jump into Abraham here in a second, you're going to see God didn't deal with Abraham based on his performance. Amen. God dealt with Abraham based on his faith. Abraham believed God. That was it. Amen. So, let me just share this here for a second. Relationship is greater. And what I mean by that, relationship is greater than laws. Relationship is greater than rules. Now, here, you take marriage, okay? Relationship is greater than, say in marriage, what if you put up 10 rules of marriage and you wrote out 10 rules, right? And you put it into a, a picture and you stick it, up, stick it up in your house. Here's the 10 rules for marriage or here's the 10 rules for our house. Here's the 10 rules of how you live in our house. And you put that up on the wall. I'm telling you, it would kill the marriage. 
It would kill the relationship. Do you know why? Because you don't live out of rules. You don't, you, in marriage, you, you, you know, that's why there's nobody has this in their house. Nobody, nobody, nobody's saying has this in their house. Can you imagine, like, you know, and, and it works this way as well, let me say this. In our house, if we were to do the rules for our home, our, our rules would be different than your home. Do you know what I mean? They would be different because what works in your home mightn't work in mine. Because we all have like a wee government in our own house. How we rule our house and how we set our house up. You know, you, you might go to bed at 9 o'clock. That's not going to work in my house, I can tell you now. I, I, I wouldn't even know what to do if I was laying in bed at 9 o'clock. I have to stay up a wee bit later than that. I maybe go a bit, to bed too late. I usually end up in bed about 12 o'clock. But I'm trying to go earlier. Uh-huh, I'm not getting there yet. But you know what? If I was to live under a law of that, you know what I mean? You better be in bed at, say, 11 o'clock or half 10. You need to be in I feel like I was a child again. I feel like I was back to, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's not, you know what I mean? Me and Donna sit at night and I turn around and say to her, do you know what, you, you do this. And she says to me, you do that. And it's all out of rules. No, it'll never work that way. And what was it that kept Abraham? What kept Abraham before the law? But do you know what kept Abraham before the law? It was relationship. And I'm saying this to say this here, but you hear people who talk on, gra- on grace and they use grace as a license to sin. And I can guarantee you, you can't live that way on purpose if you don't have a, a, a relationship with God. If you, have a relationship, uh, if you have a relationship with God, it changes your heart. You don't want to live and do wrong things, but you do. But not because you set out to. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know people that have a hold off a so-called grace message, different one than I'm preaching. And they use it as, you know, let's go out tonight and get absolutely wasted. And it's on purpose. Let's go out and get absolutely wasted tonight. And then let's just go to church in the morning. And then I'll maybe teach a Sunday school class in the morning as well whenever I'm doing it. That's not the grace message of the Word of God. Amen. That's not, that's not God's heart. Do you see, here's the thing about heart. Our, our relationship, you get to know the heart of a person, okay? Now, in our house, there are certain things that I like and there are certain things that Donna likes, okay? Donna's OCD on cleaning, okay? So um, she's probably over the top to most people. But you know what? That's the way Donna is. But you know what? Because me and her have a relationship, I know what would drive her mad. And you know what? If I really want to get under her skin, just like you know with each other, you know really what buttons to press if you really want to. Because you know that's close to the heart. But you know what? There are certain things in our house that I do. Because, and, but they're not a rule. But we could make a rule out of it. Do you know what I mean? But the rule would kill the relationship. But you see, because me and her have a close relationship and we talk every day, I get to know her heart. And I know what she desires. And I walk with her. And I talk with her. And because I have a relationship with her, I get to know her heart. Now, that's the same way in God. Here's the same way it is with us. You see in God, you see if you walk with God and you have a relationship with Him and you put the relationship, your relationship with God top priority in your list. I'm telling you, you, the, you, there's certain things you won't want to do. Not because you can't, but because you know God's heart. Because you love Him. Because you walk with Him on a day-to-day basis. That's why your relationship with God is priceless. Amen. It's, it's, a relationship is greater than rules. Okay? It's greater than rules. Amen? It's greater. Uh, here's the thing about Abraham. 
And I'm just trying to show this before we get into his life for a moment because people can give the impression sometimes, the wrong impression. But I'm telling you with Abraham, Abraham might have done things wrong. But I tell you, his heart was after God, just like David. David might have done things wrong, but he had a relationship with God. And his heart was after God. And just like you and me, we want to serve God with all of our heart. But me, you know, you still mess up at times. But it's not that you're saying, oh, I'm just going to go out and live whatever way I want because... God loves me anyway. No, God does love you anyway. But the more you fall in love with him, you don't want to. Does that make sense? You don't want to do certain things. Now, you may do wrong things because we all do. May get angry or may throw a wobbler or, you know, um, may um, do something that you didn't intend to do. May add that bar of chocolate you said I wasn't going to eat, or, you know what I mean, or New Year's resolutions out the window or whatever. But, you know, you, you, it's things you want to do. But, you know, what? just because you make mistakes doesn't mean to say your heart's not turned in that direction. Now, a relationship will turn your heart towards God more than anything else can because it's inward rules are outward a relationship is inward and when you have a relationship with God it turns your heart towards God now here's the thing about Abraham Abraham's relationship with God was top priority so when you see Abraham it wasn't that Abraham you know made mistakes and he was walking around you know that willy nilly attitude ah sure whatever will be will be there's no real purpose to her life we just you know what ah, if, you know if I go to church or you know what if I, if I, if I, you know what I fall into the bed with this one and I fall out of bed with that it doesn't matter just whatever go whatever goes with the flow no it's a heart after God should you make a mistake thank God the grace of God is there God will pick you up because God loves you amen but it's not a purposeful thing of do you know what I'm just going to live in sin because grace abounds amen no let me tell you a relationship keeps your heart right amen and you know if I could say anything to us put the rela- your relationship with God top priority on your list your own personal relationship with God you can't live off my relationship with God just like I can't live off yours you have to have your own relationship with God coming to church should only encourage us into having a relationship with God more and more but you can't live off a Thursday night or a Sunday morning and that's it you have to live off our relationship with God week in or week out day in day out every day turning to him here's a couple of things about Abraham Abraham had a relationship with God and I'm not, I'm not going to be talking in this but I'll just say it in passing because I'm trying to just get the heart of this out um, Abraham was a man after the altar you'll find in Abraham's life he had an altar and do you know what an altar was an altar was a pile of, of um, stones were just, were just piled up and made an altar and all you did was, you know, you burnt sacrifices and not burnt offerings. And here was the thing about an altar. You couldn't take, you know what I mean? You couldn't just take the best stones and no shine them all up and paint them. And you know what, chisel them back a wee bit and make them all, put wee engravings in it. And you know, put up like what people have today, like shrines and different things. You know where it's, they just look so beautiful and stuff like that. No, an altar was an ugly looking thing. An altar was a pile of stones, so to speak, in your backyard, and that you just piled up, just stuff out of a quarry, and just that you didn't chisel them away, you didn't smooth them out, there'd be dirt and everything, and you just piled them up. Not like sometimes you see in Christian TV programs, you know, where they make an altar and they put the prayer requests on, and you know what I mean, and they look beautiful. 
These big altars are in religion. You see these big beautiful altars? No, this was a pile of stones. Because here was the thing about an altar. You weren't to put your effort into it. It was nothing about your effort or your performance. So you couldn't have a better one than me or I couldn't have a better one than you. We just had a pile of rocks, all of us. Why? Because that was, we didn't come before God with our effort. That's what it shows. What's important on an altar is not how it's built. What's important is what's on it. That's what's important. Because the lamb or whatever animal was on it typified Jesus. And it was a burnt offering to God. And so it it represented an animal taking the judgment of God in our place. And that's what it represented. And thank God that's what Jesus done. And so we don't point to ourselves. We point to the altar. Abraham was a man of relationship with God. He kept that before him all the time. And you'll see in Abraham's life, when Abraham messed up, he always went back to the altar. Just read it. Every time he messed up, do you know where he went straight back to the altar? He got refocused again. Um, Abraham was known as the friend of God. Abraham believed and obeyed God. Now, he didn't do this religiously. He did it by faith. When God told him to do something, he believed what God said, and he stepped out on it. Amen? And Abraham wasn't perfect. But here's the thing about Abraham. Abraham was blessed. And this is what I'm just trying to show here with Abraham, because I'm going to show here in a second. God didn't bless Abraham because of how good he was. God blessed Abraham because the blessing was on his life. Amen? He's a blessed man. And it's so important not to trust in ourselves in life. It's so important not to trust in the work of our hands in the altar. It's so important to trust in what's on the altar. And put Jesus the focus of our lives. Amen? It's all about Jesus, not about our performance. Amen? Now, let me show us here for a second. Because there's a couple of things here with Abraham. And you just see Abraham, he just comes out smelling the roses. Even if he got things wrong, he still came out smelling the roses. Do you know why? Because the blessing was working for him. The curse in this planet works against you, but the blessing works for you. Amen? And God's working on your behalf. But we just have to trust Him. We have to believe and speak and declare over our lives. It doesn't matter what it looks like out there. What are you putting in your mouth? What are you saying about yourself? The Bible says we're not to speak cursing and blessing out of the same mouth. What are we to do? We're to speak blessing. We're to bless, the Bible says, and curse not. So all we need to do is stay in agreement with what God has done in our lives. And if God says you're blessed, you're blessed. Amen? God says you're blessed, you're blessed. And there's not a thing anybody can do about it. Amen? Now, look here. um, I'll not read through all that because that's just showing there that it was all by faith. If you read through in Galatians, you'll see that everything was by faith. Amen? All by faith. Uh, Write down. And I love verse 9 there. It says, so then... They which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Do you know, we're blessed because we put faith in the fact that Jesus took our curse so that we could have the blessing. And you're blessed. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy 28 belongs to you. The first half of it, thank God, we don't want the second half, but the first, the first half of it belongs to you. You're blessed. Amen. Now... When God called Abraham out of, out of Haran, okay, he was 75 years of age, and God said that he would bless him. And straight after that, they leave. But you know what? Uh, uh, there's a famine 
comes in the land, okay? And it says here in verse 10, And there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt, and he sojourned there, for the famine was grievous in the land. So there was a famine. Um, just, just see, here's the thing about Abraham. Abraham was blessed, but there was still effects of the curse out in the world. Just like you, we're blessed. Amen. But you know what? There was a major turndown in the world's economy in, in the last number of years. And it has knock-on effects. It's out there in the world. But I'm telling you, we might be in the world, but we're not off the world. And you can be in the world and have God's blessing on your life in the world. Abraham may have, you know, been in the same situation and there was famine all around. But I'm telling you, he was different than everybody else because he was a blessed man. Now, you see here that Abraham goes down, right, to um, Egypt. And it says here, And it came to pass, when he was come near, um, he entered into Egypt. He said unto Sarah's wife, Behold, now I know that you are a, you're, you're a babe, is basically what he said. You're a babe. You're good to look on. Now, he, she was a good-looking woman. You know what age she was? 65. There's a good t-shirt. There's a good t-shirt for, for, for the ladies. Amen. 65 and hot. Amen. But that's exactly what she was. Can you, she is 65 years of age and she is smoking. You know what I mean? She's absolutely gorgeous. And Abraham knew it. He said, he said there, he says, Sarah, you're uh you're a hot bit of stuff, and we're going down to Egypt. Now, here's what's going to happen when we go down here. They're going to look at you, and they're going to go, but she's a babe, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to kill me to get you. Here's your great man of faith here, okay? <laughs> and so he comes up with a plan, and he says, when we go down here, you just tell him that I'm your brother, and we're not married, okay? And this is the plan that he comes up with. So exactly this is what happens when they go down here. And, and here was, look at verse 12. He says here, um, Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with who? With me. No. I'll be all right, Sarah. But you know, you just think about it. Here's what's going to happen to her. She's going to be taken into the, to the, uh, the king's house, the pharaoh's house. And you know, when you went in there, that was... Uh, it's like the equivalent today of the Playboy Mansion kind of a thing. You know what I mean? That's where they went to. Just throw it out there because the kids won't get that saying, okay? But you know what? It was, a, it was a, a harem. And kings had these. And let me say this here. She's 65, okay? In Egypt, in the pharaoh's house, they had the best looking women of the land there. And she's 65 and he realizes, you know what? We better not allow... We better... Not let them know that we're married because I'm a dead man, basically. If so, this is a situation. so he, he goes down and he lies, okay. And it came to pass, and this is exactly what happened when the seen, seen her, they realized that she was a babe, and she ends up in Pharaoh's house. And uh, and look at it says in verse 16, and he entreated Abraham well for her sake. In other words, he he got, he was given a lot of stuff for her. And he had sheep and oxen and she asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh's house, uh, 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 plagued Pharaoh and his house with a great plague because of Sarah. Okay, so it didn't go well in the house because Sarah was there because the blessing was in Abraham. And then it says here in verse 28, and Pharaoh called Abraham and said, "What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was my wife?" 
So what did Abraham do? Abraham, he lied. And it caused a problem in his house. <laughs> Verse 19, and Why sayest thou that she is thy sister? So I might have taken her to wife. Now therefore, behold thy wife, take her and go. Okay. <laughs> and Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away, and his wife, and all that he had. So here he went down here, okay, into Egypt, in the middle of a famine. Okay. Lies. But he comes out smelling the roses. And look, here's the next chapter, okay? Verse 1. And Abraham went out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, lot with him into the south. And look at this. And Abraham was very rich in cattle and in silver and in gold. Do you know what? Abraham messed up, but he came out of it smelling the roses. Now, you can't base that on his performance. Amen? What was it? Well, it comes down to this. Abraham had the blessing on his life and there's nothing can stop it. Amen. He's blessed. And I'm telling you, you're blessed. And a famine couldn't stop it. And Pharaoh couldn't stop it. And nobody could stop it. Abraham wasn't perfect, but here was the thing. Abraham believed he was blessed. And blessing poured out in his life. Now, from this here... Um, Abraham and Lot had to separate after this. Do you know why? Because they had so much stuff. Now, the gospel's not all about money, okay? That's a part of it. But you know what? You can do a lot with it. And I tell you another thing. God doesn't want us poor. Amen? Poverty is a curse. Amen? <laughs> Abraham knew he could prosper anywhere because Abraham was able to turn around to Lot and say, do you know what? You pick wherever you want. You go wherever you want. And you know what? what did it, where, where did Lot pick? He picked the, the, the watered plains of Jordan that pointed towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know why he pointed point there? Because it was lush. And it was a beautiful place. But do you know what? He, he didn't have foresight because it was going to be a pile of ashes and so, soon. Amen. Do you know what? Our, we, we're just better walking with God. Abraham didn't trust in the, econ- or in the economy, do you know what I mean? Lot trusted in, do you know what? Give me the, what looks good. What's going to be to my advantage? Give me that. Do you know what Abraham trusted in? The fact that he was blessed. And Abraham said, you pick wherever you want because all I need is God and all I need is a blessing. And what he's basically saying, me and God, we can, we can do it anywhere. Me and God, God will look after me no matter where I go. And Abraham had faith to not strive over things. But he let Lot go so that, because he knew he had everything he needed in the blessing. Amen. Um, Abraham defeated kings with 318 men. Why? Because he was blessed. Um, Abraham wouldn't take a thing from the king of Sodom. Do you know why? Because he was blessed. And he said that it will not be said that you made Abraham rich. Abraham trusted in God. Amen. Now, let me just show us here just before we close tonight as well. This is later on down the line. And I mean, let me say this here about just, just again. Sometimes it sounds like when you talk along these lines, you're saying there's no consequences. Okay? But 
there was consequences in Abraham's life. Just like there's consequences in our lives for our actions. You know, you know if, you, if, you, if you make bad decisions in life, there's consequences that go along with them, okay? Yeah. In relationships, for instance, or, you know, um, you, you know say, say for instance, if, if, if I went up to town tonight and, you know what, and stole a car, would God love me any less because I stole a car? No, not at all. But you know what, there would be consequences. I'd get arrested. You know what, I could cause damage to somebody's property. They may never speak to me again in, my, in their lives. I could end up going to court. I might have to pay a fine. You know what, there, there's consequences. But you know what, But God doesn't love us based on our performance. But there is consequences in life. And there's consequences to all of our actions. Amen. Out there in the world there is. But here's the thing, when you walk with God, God's not going to deal with you based on your performance. Amen? He's going to deal with you based on Jesus. People will deal with you based on performance. But God won't. Now, you look at Abraham. Abraham brought a lot with him and a lot ended up being a torture. And there was consequence. He ended up having to go into a battle because of Lot, because Lot got taken captive and he had to go and take him out of there. Abraham also had Ishmael. And there's still consequences to that action today. So when people talk about grace to the point that where it sounds like just go out and live whatever way you want, because I've been around people like that, and I don't even like to be put in the same bracket, you know what I mean? Because people think, oh, if you've taught on the likes of grace, somebody said to me recently, or do you know what, you know what, I, I, I love your, your, your teaching on grace, I heard your teaching on grace, but the same person was telling me they loved my teaching on grace, and they were looking at me like it's hammered. And I'm going, no, that's not the teaching of grace that I teach, okay? Because I was standing there opposite, and I was in my right mind. Amen? I'm not, uh, uh, there's nothing wrong, nothing in the Bible that says about taking a drink, but the Bible's very clear and getting hammered. And so people use it as, a, as an excuse, but it's not an excuse. Amen? There's consequences. You lose your witness. Amen? You lose your influence. Um, if I come in here tonight like this here, you know what I mean? I, I guarantee you, you should just all leave. Because you'd be going, that's not the message that I'm looking for. You know what I mean? So uh, what I'm saying is Abraham did things wrong and there was consequences to his actions. But God didn't bless Abraham based on his performance. Amen? Now, I'm going to finish this here tonight. Um, But look, this was just just before this happens, okay? Um, God told Abraham that Sarah was going to have the child, okay, and it was going to come through her. And Abraham was 99 years of age and said, like, when you're 100, you're going to have a child, okay? Sarah was going to have a child at 90. So this was 25 years later after that first event when he went to Egypt. And he does the exact same thing again just before the promise comes to pass. And look what it says here. It says, And Abraham journeyed from thence towards the south and dwelt between um, Kadesh and Shur and, and sojourned in Gear. And Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. Okay. And, King, and, and, and Abimelech, king of Gur, sent and took Sarah. So he said the exact same thing again. He came and took her into her, his harem. And it says that God appeared to him and said, You're a dead man. You're a dead man. You have taken the wrong woman into your harem. But you know, he did the exact same thing again. 
he lied again. But here was the thing. Sarah was still good looking at 90. Amen. Still good looking at 90. 90 years of age. Let me tell you, you don't have to get old and crab it. You can get old and still be young. You can get old and still have a young attitude in life. The Bible says God renews our youth like the eagles. Amen. And you want to, I, I tell you, for all of you women here tonight, you're the daughters of Sarah. Amen. 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 Don't, don't, don't talk yourself into old life. Amen. Stay, stay young. Amen. Stay young at heart. Amen. Amen. Stay, have a young attitude to life. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm 40, what, 1? 41? 42? I'm 42. What age am I? 40 something. And look 60. Look, look. Huh? I rebuke that in Jesus' name. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, still, I still think and think like, or feel and think like a 21 year old. I don't, I don't, I don't talk like a, a, a man, you know what I mean? Years ago, 40s was old. Now, thank God 40s young. Thank God people have even copped on to that. I'm looking at 60 and thinking that's young. I'm looking forward. I'm going 60s young, 70s young, 80s young. Amen. Have a young heart and a young mindset. She's 90. And you know what? God renewed her youth. And she ends up having a child at 90 years of age. We're having a prayer line after for all the women. Amen. 90 years of age. Imagine 90, your body being renewed and having strength. And you know what? Both of them were dead up until it's in their body. They weren't able to produce. And you know, God so restored the both of them. Abraham, not alone did he have Isaac. You watch, Sarah dies. And later after, after Abraham goes on and has more children. God's so renewed. I'm telling you, when God restores you, he restores you. When God restores you, it's better than it ever was. Amen. 90. Praise the Lord. 90 and still hot. That's even a better t-shirt. Amen. We could start t-shirts here. Huh? 40 and hot. 50 and hot. 60 and hot. Amen. So, but he went through the same thing again here and laid. And you know what? He turned around and said, you know, why did you lie to me? And you know who God backed? Who did God back? God backed Abraham. It's a covenant. It's a, it's a relationship. Abraham lied. <laughs> I'm sure God, you know, if you could do it like, you know, like God was embarrassed. He wasn't embarrassed of him. But you know what it was? It's like, you know what? Uh, uh, like, That's, this is my man here. <laughs> this, is, this is my man here. Oh God, you have a great one there. So you do. You land and everything. <laughs> Amen. Lying, telling me, bringing all of this trouble into my house. I could have done without it. And, you know, it, it goes on here and, you know, yeah, look, look down here. It says, and here's, here's the way it ended. And I know it's funny, Abraham had to pray for him and everything. <laughs> Imagine, you know, he, he messed up and God still said, get, get Abraham to pray for you, Abimelech, and your whole house will be all right. Everything will sort out in your house. Him, the guy who came in here, lied to me. Amen. But look at how he left here. It says, And Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men servant and women servant and gave them unto Abraham and restored to him Sarah's wife. And then down here in verse 26, And Sarah said, Behold, I have given, or he said, or sorry, and unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. Amen. God blessed him. 
God blessed him. Did God bless him because of how good he was? Did he perform well here? No, he didn't. He didn't perform well here. But I'm telling you, God blessed him because the blessing was on his life. Amen? And I'm telling you, the blessing's on your life. I know in my life I haven't always performed well. But I'm telling you, I have a relationship with God. And I'm pursuing after God. And I trust in God. And even if I get it wrong, I'm not going to talk myself out of what God has for me. I'm going to, by faith, just take a hold of it and say, I don't care what it looks like, I am still blessed. Amen. I'm a blessed man. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Are you blessed? Absolutely. Amen. Don't trust in your performance, trust in the blessing. Amen. God's good, isn't he? So you have to say that at start. Sorry? I look about 25. Samuel's backtracking here. He's backpedaling. Now, Samuel, based on that, I can say you look 30. So praise God, you're blessed. Amen. And the blessing of God is on your life. Do you know, I just, I encourage you to read to read Deuteronomy 28 and read the blessing and see that that's you because of what Jesus has done for you. That's you. You're blessed. You know what happens with us? We talk ourselves out of what God has for us. I, you know, I, I, do you ever get around someone and the, the, the nearly like you feel like the, them sucking the faith out of you to the point of, you know what I mean, because you're in faith and they're not. And when you get around them, they're just, they're faith drainers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And every time you get around them, they depress you. You know what I mean? Depress you because they're faith drainers. Let me tell you, keep your faith topped up in who you are in Christ. Amen.